Last week, I talked about facing a dilemma. How many would raise your hand and say, I've been in a dilemma before? Come on, how many has been in a dilemma before? Uh, A dilemma, I'm going to do part two of the dilemma test. I had so much information that I found, I thought, you know what? I can't cheat you. I got I to gotta speak about this again. And so I'm going to talk about the dilemma test, and it's a, it's, a, it's a continuation from last week. Now, for the sake of time, I don't have time to go back and review. So you can go to the website or you can go to Facebook and listen to last week's sermon. All right, so I'm just going to pick up from where I lo- left off last week. And if you want to listen to it, you can go back and listen to it yourself. But all of us have been in a dilemma before. All of us have been in a predicament. We've been in a dilemma where there's a no-win situation. That no matter where you turned, no matter where you looked, no matter what solution that you've tried to come up with, it wasn't sufficient for the problem. It wasn't sufficient for the solution. Have you ever been there before? I mean, I've been there in many times in my life where I felt like my heart was crushed in a million pieces. Where it didn't matter where I looked, I couldn't find a way out. I felt like a mouse in a, in a maze trying to find my way out. And I was exhausted at the end because I still couldn't find my way out. I'm sure that many of you can testify that you've been in a predicament like that before. You've been in a dilemma. You've been in a no-win situation. But one of the things I have learned about those situations is that God's power and God's glory are usually demonstrated in situations like that. Amen. Usually when you find yourself in a predicament and you find yourself in a no-win situation and you find yourself in a situation that you don't know how to get out of, it seems to me that when you begin to read scripture, God loves those situations because it is in those situations that God gets the glory and God shows up and God shows out. Amen? Is there anybody in the building that you want to see God's glory and God's power demonstrated in your dilemma? And there is a dilemma in scripture. In fact, there's many dilemmas in scripture. But one of the major dilemmas in Scripture, a major predicament, is found at the Red Sea. And you know the story of the Red Sea. The children of Israel, the children of Israel is God's people, all right, Jews or Hebrews. And remember, they they found themselves in Egypt for over 400 years. Can you imagine being in slavery for 400 years? And God raised up a man by the name of Moses appointed him and anointed him to lead those people out of the land of bondage. And God led them out. But one of the first dilemmas that they came to was a Red Sea, a huge body of water. And when they got there, guess what happened? The enemy, who are the Egyptians, started chasing after them in their chariots. In other words, they changed their mind. The enemy changed their mind. You see, Pharaoh let them go. But after he let him go, he changed his mind and started chasing after them. Let me just stop here and say this. The enemy is not going to let you go so freely. He's going to fight after you. And so these people found themselves at a dilemma. These people found themselves at a predicament. Here they are standing at the Red Sea. And behind them, 
are the Egyptians. What do you do? There's no way out. I mean, if God didn't perform a miracle, the children of Israel would have drowned in the Red Sea or they would have been killed by the Egyptians. I mean, they are standing there with the enemy behind them and the Red Sea before them. And right then and right there, in that dilemma, in that predicament, in that no-win situation, God's power was on display. God delivered his people from the hand of the Egyptians, but not only did he deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians, he delivered them from the Red Sea. Right in the middle of a predicament, right in the middle of a no-win situation, God's glory was demonstrated. Now, you know that I'm preaching an application sermon this morning. I'm preaching a sermon that's practical, you know? But you do know that if you look at the story, there's theology there. You know, every one of us was in sin. We were in bondage. And Egypt represents that sin. Egypt represents that bondage that all of us were in. But God delivered us from sin. God delivered us from bondage. And he brought us out of sin and slavery. And then what did God do? After we were saved, after God delivered us from bondage, Pharaoh, which represents the devil, he delivered us from all of that. Then what happens? We go through the waters of baptism. Because after we're born again, we show our faith through the waters of baptism. And then God brings us into a new life, a new life with him. Now that life doesn't mean that you're free from trouble because when they got to Canaan land, they still had to fight because your spiritual life doesn't exempt you from trouble. Sometimes you still got to fight. Do you see the theology in that? Do you see your life in that? God delivers you from sin. He delivers you from slavery. He delivers you from the penalty of sin. He delivers you from Pharaoh, which is the devil. He brings you through the waters of baptism into a new life, but that life is not exempt from battles. That's the theology behind it. But, you know, on Sunday morning, I often do practical sermons because I don't know where you're at in your life. And so I want you to take something home that you could use in your everyday life. And let's look at this practically. This is a dilemma. They don't know what to do. And I want to give you a few points from this story. I gave you several points last week, but as I read this story, it's amazing. All the things that I found in this story. And I want to give you five quick points from this story again in part two of the dilemma test. When you find yourself in a dilemma, I want you to remember this, all right? Everybody shout, remember this. Shout it again. Remember this. Number one, I want you to remember that only God knows when you are ready. You say, what do you mean by that, pastor? I want you to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Only God knows when you are ready. Now, I want you to pay attention to this, because if you don't pay attention to it, you might lose it. So listen to this. In Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 17, Exodus 13 verse 17, the scripture says it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, least perhaps the people change their minds when they see war 
war and returned to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Or I want you to see the NIV. Do you have the NIV there? I want you to see a different translation of the same scripture. I want you to see in Exodus 13 and verse number 17. I go to verse number 18. Verse number 18, look at this scripture. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Everybody shout, ready for battle. So when you find yourself in a dilemma, number one, what I want you to remember is only God knows when you are ready. Now, what do you mean by that, pastor? Well, you know, the scripture says in verse 17, Exodus 13, verse 17, the Bible says that God did the leading and God led them the long way, not the short way. Do you see that? God led them the long way, not the short way. Now, why? Because God said that at least these people change their minds and see war and they return to Egypt. Do you know what God was saying? God is saying, I'm not going to take you the short way. Because if you go the short way, you might see the Philistines, you might see war, and you might change your minds and go back to Egypt. So I'm going to take you the long way because I don't want you to go through that yet. In other words, God was saying this. He was saying this about his people. You are not ready for war. You're not ready to fight yet. You were slaves in Egypt for how long? 400 years. For 400 years, you were in slavery. For 400 years, you were treated like a slave. For 400 years, you were in a hostile environment. For 400 years, you were treated as a slave and you got a slave mindset. And I don't think that you're ready to fight the Philistines. I don't think you're ready. But the Bible says... They thought they were ready. Look at it. The Bible says in verse 18 of the New International Version, look at it. Verse 18, the Bible says the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. You see, the Israelites, God's people, thought they were ready. They thought they were ready to fight. They thought they were ready to do war. And God says, no, 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 you're not ready. You were slaves for 400 years, you still have a slave mindset. You're not an army. You're not prepared to fight. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you the long route. Because if I take you the short route, you will see all that war and you will engage in war, change your mind and go back to Egypt. You're not ready to fight yet. And ladies and gentlemen, my point is this. Sometimes we think we're ready and we're not ready. Sometimes we think we're prepared for battle, and you're not prepared for battle. Only God knows when you are ready. Only God knows when you're truly prepared. Only God knows when he sees that it's fit for you to go to the next dimension and the next level. If you serve Jesus and he is your master, then he is the one that calls the shots, and he's the one that determines when you're ready, not when you think you're ready. Boy, I'm ready, pastor. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight the devil. And you can't show up to church on Sunday morning. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach around the world. Had somebody come to me 
two months ago, pastor, I want to change the world. My first thing is that's commendable. What do I need to do? Show up the church. Just because you think you're ready doesn't mean you're ready. The Israelites thought they were ready, but they wasn't ready. Only God knows when you are ready. You know what? As I was studying this, I got really excited because as I kept on reading, I saw point number two. When you're in a dilemma, you need to remember this, that God is still committed to your freedom. Hallelujah. Yes. I said God is still committed to your freedom. God said, you know what? You're not ready because if I took you the short route, you would become afraid of the enemy and go back to Egypt. You're not ready. God is, you know what God is saying? I love you too much. I don't want you to go back to bondage. I want to keep you free. So I'm going to take you around the long way. Woo! Sometimes God takes us the long way because he's concerned about you staying free. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul saying, Lord, when are you going to take this thorn from me? God says, I'm not going to take the thorn from you. I'm going to give you grace with the thorn in your flesh. Sometimes God will allow the thorns to be in your flesh and the obstacles in your life because God is saying, I'm committed that you stay free. Because if you didn't have a thorn in your flesh, you would act all prideful and thought it was all about you, and you would get yourself back in the mess again. So I allow the obstacles, I allow the thorns, I allow the things to come in your life to keep you at a place where I know you can be free. He's committed to your freedom. Now, it's interesting that when you find yourself in a dilemma, one of the very first things that we will do is we will exaggerate. Because look at the children of Israel. Exodus 14, verse 10. Exodus 14, verse 10. Look at him. Exodus 14, verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. Of course, they're not ready to fight. They're afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, Have you not taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us and to bring us out into Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we might serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now, did they really say that? When God raised up Moses and Moses went to the Israelites... And Moses and Aaron stood before the people and said, listen, God has called us to lead you out of this land. Did they really say that? I don't think so. Look at what they really said. In Exodus chapter number 4 and verse number 28. Exodus chapter 4 verse 28. So Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Go down. Verse number 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders and the children of Israel. Verse number 30, and Aaron spoke the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. Verse number 31, so the people believed when they heard the word of the Lord or that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads in worship. Now hold on here. Exodus chapter number 14 said, the people said, Moses, 
You should have left us in Egypt. Moses, did we not tell you to leave us alone and leave us in Egypt? And you bring us out here to the waters and we're getting ready to die and the Egyptians are going to kill us. You should have left us in Egypt. No, no, no. Your exaggeration. You said in chapter number four, oh, we believe you, Moses. We believe your word, Moses. We believe you, Aaron. And they bowed their heads in worship. Isn't it interesting? We have a tendency to change our story when we get in a dilemma. Did y'all just hear what I just said? We have a tendency to change our story when we get in a dilemma. Oh, we believe God. Hooping and hollering, shouting in church. And then on Wednesday morning, we put on Facebook. We don't know how much more we can handle. We don't know where God is. Because when we find ourselves in a dilemma, we change the story. Is there anybody up in this house who's going to be rooted? You know what the Latin word for rooted is? Or uh, radical? The Latin word for radical is rooted. Is there anybody that's going to decide you're going to be rooted in the word of the Lord? That no matter what obstacle comes, no matter what predicament comes, no matter what dilemma comes, I'm not changing my story. He was the God then, and he's the God now. He's the God that did it then. He's the God that can do it now. I've put my foot down. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God that changeth not and my story will be consistent with the signs that he's already done in my life. I refuse to change my story. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, in the midst of that, they said, you should have left us in Egypt. It's interesting to me, if you go to Psalm 106 verse 7, the psalmist recounts the story of the Red Sea. Now, get this. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Now look at it. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Now verse number eight. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might have his mighty power known. Verse number nine. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. Verse number 10. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Now hold on. The psalmist said in Psalm 106 that these people rebelled by the sea. So how did they rebel? They rebelled because they refused to believe God. They had already seen what God did to the Egyptians. They had seen the 10 plagues that God had demonstrated to the Egyptians. And they should have realized that when they got to the Red Sea, the same God that did the miraculous signs to Egypt is the same God that can part the Red Sea. They didn't believe God. They doubted God and complained God and exaggerated the story. So therefore they rebelled in their hearts. But my point was, he's committed to your freedom. Because go back to Psalm 106, go to verse number 7. Look at it. Verse 7, they didn't remember. They rebelled by the sea. Verse number 8, nevertheless, he saved them. What are you saying? I rebelled and he saved me anyway. 
I messed up, but he saved me anyway. He gave me grace for my greatest embarrassment. He was there in spite of all of it because God is saying, I'm committed to get you free even though you've messed up. Right there, they rebelled. And God says, I'm still committed to your freedom. You know what he did? Go back to the scripture. Verse Psalm 106, verse number 7. Look at it. They didn't remember verse number 8. Nevertheless, he saved them that his mighty power might be known. Verse number 9. He rebuked the Red Sea also and it dried up. Do you see that? They rebelled, but he rebuked. They rebelled, but he rebuked. That tells me that even in the messiness of my life, God's sovereignty can still be seen. Even when I mess up, even when I rebel, God says I'm still committed to your freedom. Am I talking to anybody up in this church anyway? I'm still committed to your freedom. Number three, faith doesn't work in reverse. Number three. Faith doesn't work in reverse. Faith is not found in your feelings. Faith is found in your feet. God says to Moses, verse number 13, he says, and Moses said, Exodus 14, verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish this day. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see no more. The Lord will fight for you, hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to move forward. Faith doesn't work in reverse, my friends. Faith works when you go forward. Any of us can say, you know what? I'm too afraid. I can't do it. Your faith is operated when you take a step forward. You're always going to be afraid when you do it the first time. But you've got to take a step forward so that your faith would be operated. And here, faith doesn't happen in reverse. You can't go back because that's what they wanted to do. The children of Israel wanted to go back. You should have left us in Egypt. They wanted to go back. But God said to Moses, you tell them to move forward because faith is not found in the back. Faith is not found in Egypt. Faith is found when you move forward. Let me tell you something. If you got to do it afraid, do it afraid. If you got to do it trembling, do it trembling. Whatever, don't ever go back. Don't ever go back to what God has delivered you from. Keep moving forward. If you got to struggle forward, you keep struggling forward. If you got to have somebody to pull you across the finish line, you let somebody pull you across the finish line. But you make up your mind, I'm not going back. I'm going forward. Number four, God has given you everything that you need to experience victory. What did, he, what did he say to Moses? Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel will go on dry ground in the midst of the sea. God said to Moses, Moses, why are you crying to me? Why, why are you crying? Moses, take up your staff. The same staff that I've given you back in Egypt, the same one I've given you, it's still sufficient for today. You raise it up, don't quit crying, quit praying, and use what I've given you. 
And sometimes we waste a lot of our life praying over things that you don't need to be praying about. You don't need to pray about going to church. You don't need to pray about, well, should I help? Should, should, should. Is that God or is myself? If it's good and edifying and pleasing, do it. Don't overthink God's blessings in your life. Don't overthink God's voice. He's given you everything that you need to experience victory. You know, as I was praying this week, Tiffany and I is on Dave Ramsey's budget. Uh, We're taking six weeks of classes uh, personally on Zoom with Dave Ramsey and his consultants. And we've been doing this, I think this is our fourth week, and we're on a budget. I mean, we're really at it and paying off debt and stuff, and we really feel motivated. And I was in my office. I was in the, the baby room praying. And as I was praying, it was about five in the morning, and I was just quietly praying. And I heard the Lord say something to me. I felt convicted because I was praying, Lord, give me more, give me more. I need to give me more. And the Lord said very softly to me, son, I have already given you everything you need to get debt free. And I've given you everything else that you need to live your life to please me. And I said, Lord, I am sorry for being a selfish, greedy individual. I am thankful for everything you've given me. I just need to be a better steward of what you've given me. And that goes in every department of our life. In other words, you have everything you need to be victorious. Everything. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling in my marriage. There's marriage counselors. You have everything you need at your disposal. You have pastors and church leaders to help you. You don't need more money. You need to manage the money you have. I need more joy. No, you just need to read the Bible and put your priorities where priorities need to be right. And then your feelings will line up with your priorities eventually. You have everything you need to live a life that pleases God. You see, Moses had the staff. He had everything that he needed. In closing, there's a difference between faith and presumption. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty nine. it's interesting to me, that even though they rebelled in their heart, God was still committed to their freedom, but yet they still walked by faith. And sometimes that's life. One day you rebel, one day you're complaining, and the next day you're walking by faith. Here you find these people walking by faith. By faith, they pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. I love what I shared with you last week. The dry ground is very important, right? Because the God had to dry up the ground because if he didn't, they would have got stuck in the mud. How many knows he's committed to your freedom? He's committed to your freedom. So they walked by faith. You see, it's interesting to me in Exodus 14 verse 21, look at it. Exodus 14, as I close with this scripture, Exodus 14 verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind that night and made the sea into dry ground and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on the right and to the left. And the Egyptians pursued them, went after them in the midst of the sea and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and he troubled the army of the Egyptians and he took 
off their chariot wheels. Can somebody say amen? So that they drove them with difficulty and the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters might come upon the Egyptians and on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and when the morning had appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. You see, the children of Israel marched by faith, but the Egyptians marched by presumption. Well, if they can march on dry ground, we assume we can too. And you got to be careful that in your spiritual life, just because somebody's walking by faith doesn't mean that you got to do the same thing they could do. I remember when I was 13 years old, I wanted to fast six days with no food. I was 13. I wasn't ready for it. And I come home, I told you the story, I come home and my grandmother had a huge, a huge chocolate pie. And then she had fried chicken, my favorite. And you know what I did? I went and laid down for about three hours and decided I gave up the battle and went and ate it. I wasn't ready for it. Some people could have done it, but I could have done it. You got to realize that faith grows at different levels. And what one person does, another person can't do. They're not ready for it. Only God knows when you're ready for it. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 